Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Thursday morning, March the 5th in 2020 on When I Rise. We are in year A in the second Sunday of Lent, and on Thursdays we like to look at the New Testament text for the week. We find ourselves back in the book of Romans, in Romans chapter 4, verses 1 through 5 and 13 through 17, where Paul takes on the curious case of Abraham and how he pertains to God's plan of salvation. So I'll read that passage this morning and provide a couple points of reflection, then we'll spend some time praying over the theme of the text. Thanks for making us part of your morning on When I Rise. Let's allow our souls to rise and meet God together in a time of prayer. Romans chapter 4 verses 1 through 5 and 13 through 17. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather according to the flesh, discovered in this matter? If in fact Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work, but trusts God who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. It was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be the heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. For if those who depend on the law are heirs, faith means nothing and the promise is worthless, because the law brings wrath, and where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace, and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God, in whom we believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. This is the word of God for us. All right, what can we say about Romans chapter 4? So it's generally understood that Romans can be almost cut nice and neat into four different quarters, chapters 1 through 4, 5 through 8, uh, 9 through 12, and 13 through 16. And so if that's the case, then chapter 4 here is Paul bringing to conclusion his early argument. And the occasion which he's trying to write is he's trying to create unity in a church, a church that's troubled. A church has got great diversity among it. They have Jewish Christians and they have non-Jewish Christians. And so these people come from two different worlds, two different narratives, two different perspectives and different sets of values. And Paul is trying to to build a bridge in between them. And if you've ever been in that situation, you know that it's hard to figure that out, right? Like, have you ever been in a place where there's a couple different, uh, wildly different groups of people that you're trying to build, build a bridge between, how tough that can be? Because the most important thing is for them to reconsider that their perspective is not the only perspective. And if you can, to try to help them see that beneath their narratives is a narrative that links them together so that they can embody their same narrative, yet the larger narrative at the same time. And so Paul does this by using this curious person, Abraham, from the Old Testament story. And he talks about it in, in a couple different ways. First thing is this. Uh, and the, once again, the major question in the Old Testament or in the New Testament era is, do non-Jewish people need to become Jews in order to become Christians? And Paul 
is one who says no because this great promise that God is bringing to conclusion is something he's told Abraham and it doesn't just include the Jews but it also includes all nations and so he looks at Abraham it's like Abraham is a is a person that we need to follow Abraham didn't have a law he didn't have a certain script that he had to follow um, as somehow a religious social map that he had to follow in order to find God but God found him if you remember the story and this is he reminds of this in Genesis 15 where God calls out to Abraham and he asks him to follow him to 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 really bank on God's promises to rest what God could do and Abraham trusted him. And so we see in Genesis 15, 6, and this is something that Paul repeats here, is that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. He's got this neat little line in verses 4 and 5 where it says, If anybody works, their wages that they receive is an obligation. But Abraham's faith didn't happen that way. He didn't work for something and God was obligated to give him something. But God moved first. Abraham responded. Abraham believed and therefore God gave him the gift of promises. Promises of a family, of protection, and that his one family would bless all the other nations in like a renewal of the heavens and the earth. And he brings us to a conclusion in verses 13 through 17. He talks about how, like, if there are commandments around, uh, that's how we learn sin. And we learn that we have fallen short, therefore we have trespasses, and then therefore God has to forgive those trespasses. Well, before there was ever a law, Abraham believed. Abraham stepped out and he walked with God. And so he brings uh, this argument to a conclusion. And this is meant to, once again, build a bond between the Jews and the non-Jews. He says, Therefore the promise comes by faith, verse 16, so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all of Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also those who, do, who have the faith of Abraham. This is what Paul says. If you have the law, you reach the same conclusion that Abraham did. You'll see the faithfulness of God. If you don't have the law, if you have the faith of Abraham, just like how he was able to move without an awareness of the law, you'll find the faith of Abraham, you'll find that God as well. So both Jews and non-Jews have the same claim of salvation because it, we've already seen it come to pass in the story of Abraham. And in fact, Jesus' sacrifice and resurrection is something that actually solidifies and it guarantees that which God has promised Abraham. Because now all nations are coming to God through what Jesus did on a cross. And so there's a lot of theology here. So let's put that aside for now. I think it helps us to animate a point for prayer. Paul worked tirelessly to build a bridge between two people who did not see eye to eye. He wanted a great unity out of diversity. And during a time of Lent and a time of reflection and a time of loneliness, I think that we all could confess that we have not worked as tirelessly as Paul. We did not work as tirelessly as Jesus did. We settle with people who we like and who are like us and who believe all the same things that we do, people who are not tedious to get along with and so on and so forth. We have settled into the comfort of familiarity. God is calling us to a deeper life. He's calling us to make peace. He's calling us to dwell with those who may not be like us so that the love of God can be expressed again and again. God loved us even though we were not like him. Therefore, it is the fruit of Christianity that we can love all others who are not quite like us. That sounds like something we could pray about this morning. So let me spend some time praying a short prayer that God would give us the heart of Jesus, the heart of Paul, and that we would work tirelessly for the unity of the church. Let's pray together this morning.
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I thank you for this morning that we get a chance to gaze upon the face of our gracious God. So God, today we thank you for your forgiveness towards us. We thank you that you've separated our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. That you remember them no more. And so as we think about the thrill and as our soul swells about the salvation that we've received, God, I pray that you would create in us a new heart, a heart of Christ, the heart that we, of Christ that we see in the Apostle Paul, that he works so tirelessly for the sake of the unity of the body of Christ. God, I pray that we would be bound to values like hope and of hospitality and of peacemaking. God, I pray that we would find it harder and harder to divide from others. That even though we may not agree with the data of their faith, may we find a brotherhood and a sisterhood with all people that we're going to encounter today. May we wish for their best. May we love them like Christ has loved us. May the whole watching world know that we are your disciples because we love one another. God, we thank you for the command of scripture that tells us that we should allow no debt to remain outstanding except for the debt to love one another. God, you have loved us with an everlasting love. So may your love pour into our hearts so that it may pour out to all others around us. And may we see your kingdom arrive and thrive around us because we have chosen to love as Christ loved us. So God, be with us. Help us in our weaknesses. Empower us for goodness and for love's sake. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.